So strangely, the topic, the enjoy of this retreat, I decided to talk about the story of a girl who suffered many hardships, actually lived a very sorrowful life. And so I'm going to tell you that story and I'd ask that you just humor me in this and, and try to empathize with this young woman. People of Christian City, people of every, everywhere around the world, this is David Christopher Pacheco. Hi, my name is Kimmy. My name is Arthur Ortiz. Been in Denver since 1973. Okay, so let's just talk in circles for a little bit. <laughs> just talk in circles. Yeah. Just shoot the breeze a little yeah. bit. Now they see beyond what I look like. They see what my actions are and say, hey, that is a good person. A lot of people say home is home is where the heart is, but my heart's in many places. It's just I don't know where home is. Welcome back to Homeless But Human. Here with you again, I'm Blake. Hey everyone, it's also Shayla. And we are very thrilled this Advent season to present to you one of our formators, one of our Sotolit brothers, Jeff Ruskamp. Jeff, welcome back to the podcast. Great to be here, Blake. Thanks. Jeff is a veteran podcast he is, recorder with he's us. He's a veteran. He's actually one of the originals from day one. I think yeah. for our first two episodes, Jeff Jeff was on of the podcast. And I'm, I'm really excited for this one. We're actually doing a little bit, something a little bit different with podcast uh, this time around with Jeff. So um, what a lot of people don't quite realize from the start at Christ in the City is that it's actually, first and foremost, a missionary formation program. So all the missionaries that are in here in Denver and in Philadelphia get formation year-round to better form them in life skills, in the faith, and really just to form them into better humans for the rest of their life. Yeah, saints, right? We're trying to become saints. So the formators have a very integral part in that formation. They get to walk with the missionaries all year long. And Jeff actually recently gave a sort of talk at one of the missionary retreats. It was a day of reflection that the missionaries were having. And uh, Jeff gave this uh, retreat talk that he's going to give a, a brief overview today for podcast because it was one of our missionaries' favorites from the weekend heard so many people, so many people came back and were like, wow, I'm still contemplating and getting wrecked by Jeff's talk. And I was, you know, we're not trying to wreck people with this, but a good wreckage of just our, our expectations and a new way to view our faith and, you know, our Catholic identity. So no, I mean, this is the point of this podcast is to share with all of you what our missionaries receive and the stories that we're so blessed with. And this is one that we just desire and desperately need to share with you because the reviews were so good. Yeah. Jeff, did you expect good reviews going into this one? <laughs> you know, I got some pretty good feedback. I always bounce ideas off other formators good. and get a little confidence booster, but also make sure I'm not going to say anything stupid. So oh, absolutely. Going in. So say, they helped me out a lot. Say something stupid. Yeah. We've never done that. <laughs> a fact that needs to be brought up a lot in talks, right? You got, you need some honest feedback before you give it. Well, good. Exactly. And I think you guys are really going to like the topic of this one because it takes a, a different approach um, to the joyful mysteries. So we're just going to let Jeff take it away and he, he's going to give the talk and then we'll, we can kind of discuss it after, after he's gone through the mysteries. Take it away, Jeff. Thank you, Shayla. So strangely, the topic, the enjoy of this retreat, I decided to talk about the story of a girl who suffered many hardships actually lived a very sorrowful life. 
And so I'm going to tell you that story and I'd ask that you just humor me in this and, and try to empathize with this young woman. She was of humble origins. She became pregnant very young outside wedlock. It was an unexpected pregnancy. And it gets worse. She was engaged. And her fiancé was not the father. You can imagine the shame and judgment that this would bring. She would never be viewed the same by family, friends, and especially by her fiancé. What justification could she possibly give him? And the most unfair part of this story is, is that she actually had the best explanation in the world. She was impregnated by God himself. Who is going to believe such a ridiculous story? She was either a terrible liar or delusional. And quite frankly, it sounds like some of the stories we hear on the streets. So she's stuck in a pretty complicated situation. God's timing is perfect, right? Like he could have waited until she was just married. You can imagine her crying out to God, Why me? What confusion, shame, and fear. What a miserable life. But she went through the pregnancy, and she loved her son deeply. Even if the pregnancy was unexpected, she gave up her entire life, all her plans and dreams for him. And she got the reassurance of another miracle to comfort her. Her very old cousin had miraculously conceived a child, and surely there she would have, be the, have the comfort of being known, understood, and loved. But just one detail. They aren't exactly neighbors. To see her requires a trip of about 100 miles and a 1,300 feet elevation gain, a week's journey. Not to mention, traveling during this time in this region always meant the risk of bandits. Not to mention she had just become pregnant, going through all kinds of bodily hormonal changes. And who knows what level of morning sickness she was dealing with. You can imagine the caravan stopping for a couple times a day so that she might hurdle up her breakfast. You can imagine that any of the isolation that she was already experiencing was probably multiplied by 10 because of her emotional state. What a miserable way to start your pregnancy. Doesn't it seem like at this point someone should have come to visit her and serve her in her first trimester of pregnancy? But she goes in haste, always generously, and served her cousin in her final trimester of pregnancy. And so the birth of her own son approaches. Exciting, surely. But she's large and uncomfortable. Tired, but can't sleep well. All kinds of back pain. Surely now, at this point in her pregnancy, just as she went to serve her cousin Elizabeth, God would send someone to take care of her. Quite the opposite. At this point, she was asked to journey yet another hundred miles to Bethlehem. What a miserable way to finish your pregnancy. And the town was packed. She couldn't deliver this unexpected child in the comfort of a home or even a hostel, but gave birth outside in the cold in a dirty cave fit for donkeys. 
you can imagine her in this moment, not just complaining and suffering, but on top of that, wondering, am I doing something wrong? God entrusted me with giving birth to the King of Kings, and I couldn't give him a more dignified place to be born. I'm a failure, and how miserably I've failed. But always obedient, and as such, she goes to the temple to offer a sacrifice for her own purification. Just another chance for social embarrassment. She could only give a poor man's offering, two pigeons. Like going to the grocery store, and instead of pulling out your Capital One card, you pay with food stamps. And also, according to the law, she consecrates her firstborn son to God. After all that she's given up for him, she gives him back to the Creator. And there's a prophet in the temple who repeats what she's already been told. This was the Messiah. You would also think in this moment she would receive a deep affirmation, a thank you. Maybe something like her cousin Elizabeth said, Blessed are you among women. But no, the words directed at her are quite the opposite. A sword will pierce your heart. Simeon gets to go in peace, and she's told that her real suffering has yet to begin. She will eventually have to bury her own son, which no parent should ever have to do. God gives her this gift, only to violently tear it away from her. She continued living out her Jewish faith obediently, and as such, they pilgrimed every year to Jerusalem for the Passover. One year, on the way home, she was struck by panic by the realization that she had lost her son. It was sort of a home alone scenario. If you can remember the look of panic on Kevin's mom's face when she realized she was separated from her little boy. Can you imagine the trauma? Her only son, her whole world, all that she'd given up, lost. She had one job. The panic, but again the shame, the anxiety. I was entrusted with a long-awaited savior and I lost him. I'm a failure. And all of this ruminating for three days before she found him. And there is a happy ending. She did find him, and she brought him home safe and sound. And a perfectly good explanation was given that calmed all her worries and frustration. Oh wait, no, that didn't happen. Mary and Joseph had no idea what the meaning of it was. No explanation was given, and she was left in the darkness of her confusion. I present to you the joyful mysteries. Of course, we don't know all the details of Mary's hardships, but we do know that what we traditionally call the joyful mysteries were also occasions of hardship, difficulty, and suffering. And I think that sometimes we take from, for granted that these events from the outside, from a superficial point of view, could just as easily take on this very melancholic, self-victimizing, depressive narrative that I've just given. Because really that's what we do all the time in our own lives. We know that Mary did experience joy. And this is what she expresses in the Magnificat. And this begs the question of, well, if this was a time of trials, why was the through line, why was the narrative that she had of her experiences joy? And I think, paradoxically, 
one of the reasons is that Mary was willing to suffer, to embrace her cross. And it was because of her willingness to suffer that she was able to experience such a profound joy. That joy and sorrow actually go hand in hand. They're the flip side of the same coin. The deeper the suffering, the deeper the joy. It's in fact the promise made in the Beatitudes. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be consoled. The deeper the suffering, the deeper the joy. Jeff, as you read that, it's so melancholic. What a good word to describe that from the lens in which we view it as we view our lives many times. Yeah, I've I've never quite like viewed the mysteries in this way. I can't imagine the missionaries were it I bet they took some time to like to chew on it. What was some of the feedback you received <laughs> or even feedback from your your own reflections on it, Jeff? I think that it's it begs the question of what narrative am I giving to the events that happen in my life mm. as they happen? Yeah. And is it possible that perhaps the narrative that I'm giving is is the only narrative? Mm-hmm. Is it the best narrative? Is it the way God sees things? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've wanted to write this reflection, honestly, for a couple of years now. And it just seemed like a good time to to do this. And part of it's because I, I always have been moved of, you know, I see that natural tendency to see things so negatively mm. and in this victimizing way. And Mary isn't focused on herself. She yeah. is thinking about what God's doing. Yeah. And I think thinking about what God might be doing in, instead of this kind of self-centered perspective is, I don't know, it's really a breath of, a breath of fresh air Yeah, that can kind of... I don't help us to maybe take a different perspective on what's happening in our own lives. Yeah. I, I really, really appreciate what you're saying there, right? Of like, is the way we view things the only way to view it? Right. Or is it that we, what you said there was, was so profound. And I think with the missionaries, we talk about this a lot with the homeless, like how can we have joy in the missionaries lives and yeah. in the house with the atrocities, the, the most egregious things in society we see on the streets, yeah. the death, the the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that perspective of eternity, right? Viewing it from God's eyes, not this earthly eye. And I really think, mm. Jeff, like this is such a gift to our missionaries, to, to all of you listening to Shayla and I. I mean, when we think about what our missionaries do, it's that. If we go to the streets and take it, as is, you know, this house would be so sad. This would be the saddest, pl- it, rightfully so. Like, it should be super sad. But it's not. No. But there are days where there'll be people celebrating a joy in someone's life. I'll never forget one day. It was like someone got into a religious community and half the community was celebrating. And on the other hand, one of our homeless friends passed away that day. Mm-hmm. And it was mourning and celebrating. Yeah. And you look at Mary's life and that, that first mystery, oh my goodness, that humiliation, like, I, we don't think about that much. We don't. I I think it's, it's super interesting, um, to bring, to bring all of these themes up too at this time of year. I mean, they, they very much accompany the joyful mysteries as you, as you pointed out, but joy and suffering, I think we're in the most joyful time of year, you know, like it's holly jolly Christmas time and, 
we're human. We don't always feel that way. You know, it's not always like these warm, fuzzy feelings. And so I think I, I'm wondering if that was also part of like why you wanted to give this to the missionaries, Jeff, if it was like to point out, hey, we're we're in a season of preparing for something great. But alongside that, it's not all just like happy, warm feelings. It's like greatness is both the joy and the suffering. I might've just answered that for you, but I don't know if you want to talk on that a little bit too. Yeah, because I think one of the, I don't know, we can kind of put obstacles to this joy that that God does seek to give us. And I think one of those obstacles is this kind of unwillingness to suffer, to to, mm-hmm. to enter into, to pick up our crosses. And, and it's hard to, but strangely, once we do lean into that suffering, once we do pick up our cross, once we do, it seems unbearable until we actually embrace it. But like, but once we embrace our cross, God will bless us with a deeper joy that mm-hmm. that is that's not understandable from the outside. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's comparable to the analogy that we use when we talk about stained glass windows, where it's just it's a totally different story when you're inside the church than out. Like once you embrace your cross from the inside, it might seem strange to others, but your cross perhaps isn't as heavy as you thought it was going to be. And perhaps there's a lot of joy that comes that you would never have experienced if you hadn't embraced that cross. Yeah. And perhaps those things even become a source of your joy. Which is the example our mother Mary gave us. Right. I, I, what, what Jeff said, you know, that the deeper the suffering, the deeper the joy. And was it St. Teresa of Avila who said, Jesus or God, if this is how you treat your friends, I see why you don't how many friends or something along those lines of like the amount <laughs> of, no yeah, idea. no, cause it's, she was, she was just getting all this suffering heaped on her, sure. heaped on her. And that's where that quote came from is yeah. I could be missing the saint and the quote there, but the point <laughs> is there. Right. And Jeff, as you say this, it's like the closer we grow to the heart of Mary, what do we learn as a missionary? We will get our hearts pierced more. Hmm. The closer we, the deeper we get in our spiritual life, the more we will suffer and we will receive more joy. They're not without each other. It's super interesting because I think you're, you're hitting on a very key part of what, what this program is, is like, we are helping to form missionaries and to form our volunteers and our listeners to be willing to enter into like the suffering of others, the dirtiness, the ugliness of others but also not just like doing that just for the sake of entering into it, but for the sake of like something greater for the sake of, of joy and for the sake of, of the other person, because they are like, they're worth that they're worth that love. And yeah, I just think it's, it's super profound that you, you bring this up in the middle of the year for the missionaries too. And like, this is hopefully can help boost them for for the rest of the year as well. Um, I'm wondering, Jeff, I I have a question for you for, for our listeners that are, have decided to to listen today. What advice do you have for entering into into your own suffering, and how does that affect the way that you can enter into the suffering of others? So, for one, I don't know, and I think that there is something that being okay with that uncertainty that you know there's just not a perfect answer for this, and that it's kind of messy, and you're kind of you got to kind of sit in that difficulty yeah. of the situation. I think 
at the end of the day, it's not that we're striving for, especially spiritual joy. It's not that we can't try like smile, laugh, etc., and open ourselves to the spiritual joy that God offers us. But it's also a gift from him that we can't necessarily control mm. and we can't try to cling to joy unless we suffocate yeah. it. And I think on the other hand, we're also not striving to be sorrowful and right. enter into the sorrows of life, but we're striving to be open and we're striving to do God's will, striving to do that, which he's asking of us. And life brings those things. Life will bring the joy and just having that disposition of openness and receiving it and letting it come, but not clinging to it. And then those moments of sorrow will come too and not pushing them away and think I need to, yes, there's making a, there's putting on a smile for someone when they need you, even if you're going through a hard time and there's, there's something virtuous in that. Right. But at the same time, I'm not ignoring the fact that I'm, I'm suffering right now mm -hmm. and I can find spaces with those closer friends that I have with the Lord in prayer to simply mourn those things and process them in that way so that I might receive that consolation. And, and I think that those things allow for the joys that do come again to be all the more profound, right? All the more meaningful because of this journey of sorrow that I've also endured. You know, you think of just like, you know, how much more glorious a victory is when it's been like hard fought or something yeah. like yeah. that, right? Actually, it makes me think of when I was kind of considering, well, what view would Mary have had, you know, thinking of what God's doing during the visitation? And this, this kind of reminds me of that, but I was thinking of, well, God was asking great things of her, but at the same time, he was providing for her in what she needed. And mm. what more would she have needed in that moment? than someone who is also experiencing God's miracles and yeah. would know exactly where she's coming from and be affirmed in her womanhood, mm. right? Blessed are you among women. Yeah. Right? Blessed is she who believed. Mm. Like that companionship, like what more could she have needed in that moment of trial that God was asking of her, but at the same time, God as a loving father provided that for her. Yeah. And he does for us. He does for you and your friend at the park and our homeless friends and our missionaries and all of our sufferings this, this season of life, this Advent. And what a great summary, Jeff, of everything you've said. Like the, the reality is, is God provides. Yeah. What a message of hope too. And just that like, it's not, it's not all for nothing. No, it's, it's the it's season of hope. hope. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you so much today. I think this, this message of how we view our sufferings and, seeing that they lead to joy and, and picking up our crosses, letting others embrace those with us and the joy that comes from them is a message I don't think will ever get old. It may be the time of year for hope in these things, but that's the lesson of the life, right? The life, this pilgrimage here on earth. So thank you so much for sharing that and with us, with the missionaries and with all of you. Yeah. Any, any final thoughts or words of encouragement for our listeners today, Jeff? I would encourage our listeners to to trust in God and the trials that are part of their life because they really do seem unbearable until we embrace them. And it really is not until we embrace them that we begin to see all of the details of what God is doing and all of the the colors and experiences and wisdom and joy at the end of the day. Yeah. That that it's not 
it's not a life of misery that he's asking of us mm. in these trials. It's, it's joy. And I think that's Mary didn't say, look at all these things and say, what a miserable life. She looked at it and said, what a joy. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jeff. Well, God bless you all. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Jeff, for being on here and thank you for your support. And we are so glad to be able to share with you this insight into missionary life. God bless. See ya. Mother Teresa, one of our patrons would say, if I look at the masses, I will not act. If I look at the one, I will. Because of these one-on-one encounters, because of people like you stepping out of your comfort zone, this mission is spreading. This mission is making its way into parishes, schools, seminaries, and communities nationwide. We have families making care kits for the homeless, college students coming on week-long mission trips and then going back on fire to serve the poor in their cities, seminarians in small groups across the country doing Christ-in-the-city-style street ministry. This mission is becoming a national and worldwide endeavor, and we're so happy you're here. For even more in-depth Christ-in-the-city training, videos, and interviews with the homeless, we invite you to join our known and loved monthly giving community. This is one of the most impactful ways you can join us in this mission. Visit ChristInTheCity.org and make a monthly gift today to join our known and loved community and receive a special Christ in the City gift. Imagine with me for a moment if every homeless person had one friend who cared about them. What a difference that would make in the world. And what if that one friend is you. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, podcast platforms, and do us a favor and go hit subscribe and leave us a review. God bless you.